passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This episode, episode 153 of the For the Love of the Game show on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, upcoming NHL playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that baseball is back. Yeah, the Yankees are still frustrating. It's a new year, though. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Well, if you're confident in your futures pick, place your bet at Bet Online. It is super easy to get started. So head to the website today, use your mobile device, and join using promo code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code BLEAV to get your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. With that said, episode 153 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Yeah. Can you feel it? I used to feel so devastated. At times I thought we'd never make it But now we on our way to greatness And all that ever took was patience I, I, I used to feel so devastating Getting better each day, stacking at you the cheesecake. Look up to the low, we pray. Trying to be my best. You know what it is? We're back. Episode 153 for the love of the game with your boy Aaron Tobin Hess. Back in the saddle, back behind the mic. And the NBA playoffs are off to an awesome start. Didn't expect anything less. We've had some really, really good games. The playing games were exciting for the most part. The first couple of first round series have been good. And we're going to get into a lot of what's going on so far in the NBA playoffs with a first-time guest, a fellow Believe podcast host, to talk a little NBA in just a couple of moments. But a couple of things before we get into Jake tonight, and uh, I'll introduce him in greater detail when he comes on. First and foremost, we got the New York Yankees. Ten games in, the Yankees are 5-5. Five and five. They just lost 2-3 to three from the Orioles. I know it's early. But this team doesn't hit. The offense is so bad. It's the same old nonsense that we had last year and not taking the Orioles seriously. And you saw it last year when it got towards the end of the season and they were scrounging to even make the play-in game, or I should say the wild card. And you can't lose these games. You have to take these games seriously. 
they just they don't hit with runners in scoring position. Their offense is a mess. I don't understand why Joey Gallo continues to play. It, it's enough already with him. I don't care what the analytics say of the velocity of the balls that he hit. The fact that he's an analytics darling because he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He sucks, and he shouldn't be playing every day. And then, in one of the weirder moves that I've seen, because we all saw last year that Glaber Torres cannot play shortstop. So, because of the shuffling of the lineup, all of a sudden you have Glaber Torres playing shortstop after some pinch hitting and whatnot. Like, I thought we did everything to avoid this. Like, what are we doing here? I said before the year I had no faith in Glaber Torres to be on this team and to be a real major contributor, I still don't. It just we should have traded him in the offseason and make it easy for everybody else. I, I just this team. I, I know it's gonna happen. I've said it numerous times. They're gonna win 90 to 92 games, and they're just gonna be incredibly frustrating. They're gonna be points where you think that they're gonna turn the corner. They're gonna be points where you think they couldn't beat the Pittsburgh Pirates, but it, it, the team's just not going anywhere. It's just stuck in mediocrity, and that is a organizational issue with ownership and the manager. Well, it's only 10 games in. That's how I see it. I hope they prove me wrong, but that's how I see it. So the NHL playoffs, all the playoff teams are set. The Rangers, it's looking like the Pittsburgh Penguins, even though they, they still have one game in hand against the Carolina Hurricanes, or maybe they can tie them for points, but it's looking like the Pittsburgh Penguins is going to be the postseason matchup. I like the matchup for the Rangers. It was 3-1 in the regular season for the Rangers. It looks like a really good spot for the New York Rangers right now. Really looking forward to NHL playoffs. Let's go Rangers. All right, so we're going to bring Jake on in a little bit, but a couple of quick notes from the NBA playoffs so far. So I told you that even though it was a 2-7 matchup, that the Grizzlies... Timberwolves series was going to be a knock them down, drag them out series, and it looks like that's going to be the case. The T-Wolves upset Memphis in game one. It's only game one, but that's going to be an awesome series, just up and down. And, and Anthony Edwards is that dude. We talked about it after his play-in game where he just dominated. Well, he dominated in game one again. Just awesome. Carl Towns bounced back. D'Angelo Russell did not have a good game, but, man, Anthony Edwards, what he's doing lately, he's ascending into a super-duper star, and that guy's personality is just awesome. I love everything about him. Dude, the Scotty Barnes injury for the Toronto Raptors is a major bummer because without him, Toronto has no chance. They got waxed by the Sixers again last night in Game 2, 2-0 Philadelphia, what a series that I thought was going to go 7. It's not looking like it's going to go 7, and... Toronto just doesn't have enough without Scotty Barnes. One last thing before we get into tonight's guest, Tyrese Maxey and Jordan Poole, okay? We just mentioned the Sixers briefly, Jordan Poole with the Warriors. Both those guys have been absurd, absolutely absurd. I mean, Jordan Poole right now for the Warriors, when Stephen Curry was out, was basically 85% of Stephen Curry's production. Both those guys were picked in the 20s, in the late first round. That's ridiculous, okay? The odds of finding a guy that good late in the first round is really minuscule. And we've seen a couple of guys recently 
you know, those two, I mean, to a lesser extent, Emmanuel quickly be drafted in the 20s and and be contributors. But it's it's really, really rare. It's really, really rare to see guys that good go that late in the draft. It, It just goes to show you that the draft sometimes makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. But yeah, kudos to them. I love watching both these guys play. And I, I was texting with uh, recurring guest Jordan Marks, who's a Michigan guy. Jordan Poole went to Michigan. And he's saying that, like, I asked him, did anybody ever see this while he was at Michigan? And they're like, not a chance. I mean, Poole looked like he was going to be a heat check guy off the bench, a la Jordan Clarkson, a better version of Jordan Clarkson. And now he's looking like he's going to get at least $25 million per year on his next deal. At least. That's the floor. Incredible. And Tyrese Maxey, same thing. Tyrese Maxey right now is the second best player on the Philadelphia 76ers. And they traded for James Harden. That's how good Tyrese Maxey's been. That wasn't even a dig at Harden. That's just how good Tyrese Maxey's been. He was ridiculous in the first game. 38 points. Just so good. So, so good. And to find those guys in the 20s is just absurd. With that said, we're going to bring on a first-time guest to talk a little more about the NBA playoffs in just a matter of moments. This episode of the For the Love of the Game show on the Believe Podcast Network is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Tons of people are taking multivitamins, but it is important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, super foods, probiotics, and such to start your day. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, gives you extra energy, helps with recovery, focus, and even aging. As somebody like me, that's definitely appealing. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits in a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar, no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of water per day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash believe. Again, athleticgreens.com slash B-L-E-A-V to get started. Athletic Greens take ownership of your health. This episode is also brought to you by Credit Karma. Are you paying down old credit card debt? A personal loan could be your best solutions. Loans usually come with fixed monthly payments, making them a simple, easy way to help pay off your credit cards. Plus, loans usually have a lower interest rate than credit cards do, and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you'd get approved for. Are you ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see your personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the best loan for you. Creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Okay, so as I teased it before, I have the pleasure of having a first-time guest on the show, finally having him on. We've been uh, talking about it for a little bit. He's also a member of the Believe Podcast family. Uh, He's got the 94 and more podcast, Jake Fenster. Jake, what's going on, bud? How you doing? Not much, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. 
Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time coming, and I'm always looking for new people who uh, love the NBA as much as I do and love talking yeah. about it. But before we get into playoffs and all that kind of stuff, just tell everybody a little bit about your show, um, what inspired it, how long you've been doing it, and uh, a little backstory so they know you are a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, so 94 and More is a show that I co-host with my friend Vic Law. Uh, Vic, real quick, since he's not here to speak, um, Vic went to Northwestern and played basketball there, helped them reach the tournament for the first time in the school's history, and then actually fought his way onto the Orlando, uh, Orlando Magic, earning a two-way contract, um, and then making it into the bubble. So he has been on this crazy journey and is now overseas playing for the Perth Wildcats and will soon be back in the NBA. Um, but the reason I, I dive into that context is because Vic's story is really what, what inspired me to, to start the podcast. Uh, I grew up always loving basketball stories. And to me, the ones that I connected with were the journeymen, the people who really right. uh, who go through this crazy uphill battle uh, that nobody sees day in and day out. And everyone sees when LeBron scores 30, but no one sees when Vic Law gets in the game for five minutes. And no one knows what he went through to get to that arena just to be available to play for five minutes. So. Right. Those are the stories that really inspired me and led me on this journey to figure out how to create a platform uh, to, to tell stories. And it has evolved since then to really just be about the game and how the game brings people together, connects worlds and creates opportunity and helps share different people's perspectives. And that's really what it's about for me. I remember, what was it, a couple of seasons ago uh, with the Lakers, it was the guy's name, Andre Emmett, right? He was like... I oh. think it was mid thirties and he uh, had been teaching math, not Andre Emmett. What was his name? No, 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 no. Oh man. He's on the G league team still. Oh God. I know his name. Uh, he was, he was teaching math, uh, as like a, um, and I think SAT tutoring as uh, as a supplement gets in the NBA game. I think scores 20 for the Lakers in the last, uh, last, um, yeah. Andre Ingram. Season. You want Andre Ingram? Andre Ingram, right. Andre Emmett, no, he played for Texas Tech. I'm Andre, sorry. Andre Ingram. Good, yeah, good. which was which was a great story. And obviously there are tons of stories like that. And I just remember it it really stuck out in my mind, that yeah. particular story. And I, I feel like with with the rise of the G League in terms of it getting more media coverage in, te in terms of it uh just blowing up with the uh the G League Ignite, I I think there's room to really do like a hard knocks kind of thing with the G League. I know the NBA would never really do it just because of a whole yeah. bunch of different reasons. But I think the G League is a good place to do that, to raise the profile, right? 100%. And it'll just be interesting. 100%. Interesting. Yeah, so let me ask you a question before we get started. Um, your rooting interest lies with what basketball team? I'm going to be hated for this. Uh, it's the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, but – my love for I grew up in Los Angeles and being a kid in Los Angeles and watching Kobe Bryant. And as I say, this is actually on my TV screen. There's some YouTube clips playing and uh, the sound off. But uh, being a being a kid and growing up around him and, and being able to see him play just has stuck with me even till this day. And uh, I'll always be a Laker fan because of Kobe Bryant. So now that the franchise is dead because LeBron James has completely destroyed it, like how are you? How are you mourning? How are you? Um... It's tough. It's tough. Um, 
you know, it, you walked it, into this, by the way, this was unscripted. You walked I know. into this, but that's this why I said, I'll always be a Laker fan because of Kobe Bryant. Uh, no, you know, I think having the chance to watch LeBron and having him as a Laker is always incredible. You know, to have one of the best players and arguably the best player, we won't even get into that conversation. Um, but you know, it's always exciting. It definitely is tough when you look at the future because there's a lot of uncertainty and we've put all of our stock into uh, the now and we're not winning in the now. So it's not the most pleasant time to be a Laker fan. Well, you'll always have the Mickey Mouse cup that you guys won. So yes. don't worry about that. You guys will always have that, yeah. that banner. Uh, yeah. was, there was, there was a great parade in Los Angeles after that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Look, this I, is, I, this I, is the best. This is catnip for me. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. And I'll be honest as a Laker fan, like watching that and I, and I was excited and I obviously wanted to win, but I will be a hundred percent honest that there's a part of me that when we won, it didn't feel as satisfied as the last time we had won it. Of course, of course not. There's no way. I, my friend, I have a bunch of Laker fan friends in my life, and I get on the, them about this all the time. They're like, well, if the Knicks – I'm a Knicks fan, a yeah. sad, sad Knicks fan. And if the Knicks would have won, you would have celebrated it like it's – like it's Well, you guys celebrated a playoff game win over the, the Hawks. Of course. Of course we'd celebrate like it was a real title because that's – we don't – we're not used to having nice things, right? Sure. Like there's there's levels to this. But anyway, so I want to talk about the NBA playoffs uh, yeah. because I personally love the NBA playoffs. I, I'm a big college, you know, March Madness person, but I always say the NBA dwarfs college basketball. If you like the sport of basketball, it's just a cleaner game. It's watching the best plays. So I, I just wanted to look at the, um, the playoffs as a whole and, yeah. and ask you, Obviously, I'm sure you, you, you've had your projections in terms of what you think was going to happen. Has anything surprised you based on your um, postseason uh, predictions? Yeah. Um, or has it kind of gone to plan, per se? So I would say the things that have stuck out to me the most would be the Timberwolves. Um, I think I didn't pay attention to the Timberwolves at all this year. I've never been a huge, you know, Carl Anthony Towns uh, believer. Um, not that I think he has, a, you know, I think he has some things about his game that are very good, but I just haven't seen them put it together, especially in the playoffs. And you know how things change once you get to that level of play. I think I was shocked to see how they, they pulled out the first game against the, the Grizzlies. Um, I think I've been watching jaw and, and that whole team elevate all year long. So I, I thought that they were going to be pretty, pretty complete and pretty hard to, to beat in this first round. So that kind of shocked me. Um, and the Jazz, the, uh, this is not so shocking because I think this has been the narrative for a while that the Jazz have a great regular season team and then they get to the playoffs and they kind of blow it. Uh, but I definitely, the Jazz just lost game two to the Mavs. They almost lost game one. They were beating them by double digits. And then the Mavs started coming back. I'm shocked at how the Jazz can't beat this Mavericks team. Uh, easily considering they don't have Luka Doncic or Tim Hardaway Jr. So those two have been the things that have stuck out to me. I want to hold that jazz thought because I feel like this this requires a a deeper conversation. But we'll, we'll start with the um, what I think is the most entertaining series, which is the, uh, the Timberwolves and the Memphis Grizzlies. I, I said it on, on the last show when I was going through the series. I said, you know, Raja Bell made this point. 
uh, on the Ringer NBA show that he does with Logan Murdoch. And if you look back at the season series, like they split it 2-2, right? The the Memphis and the T-Wolves. They play very similar styles. They like to get up and down. They, they have athletes all over the place. They have uh, alpha dog guards and, yep. you know, John Morant and Anthony Edwards, who's ascending to be a megastar. Yeah, he's amazing. Unbelievable, right? And, and he's almost like the the alpha male of that team where, you know, just by his personality, it's where it's like it's actually perfect for Carl Anthony Towns, who let's just say can be a little soft at times, um, you know, on the on the court. I didn't like the way they celebrated the play in the victory. So it was a little ridiculous. I mean, they had some of those guys had been in the playoffs in 2018. I know they got that was the Jimmy Butler year before yeah. they got bounced and before the uh, Jimmy Butler went crazy over the contract extension and the whole thing. Um, but I understood it on the Pat Beverly side because it was personal about yeah. the Clippers management not offering him a contract, but it was a little excessive. But hey, they backed it up with a game one win, and this is going to be a knock em out, drag them out series. And you, you look at the seating, and it's two seven. Yeah, and you think maybe it's going to be a walk, gentleman sweep, but no, I, I, these teams are very very similar. And just going back to Edwards and Towns, like. Towns is that uber talented guy who's just, you know, doesn't necessarily have the personality to just like get in people's faces. But yeah. Edwards seems to have that in spades. So they're like a perfect match to me. And yeah. and it's been it's been fun to watch. Really, really fun to watch. Yeah, and you also have, you know, D'Angelo Russell who can go off and score 30 points in a playoff series to have a third guy that's capable offensively of that he did it against the clippers he went crazy yeah. he had a he had a rough game one but i'm really looking forward to game two tonight by the way we're recording this tuesday afternoon before the some of the game two starts <laughs> so if you listen to it afterwards you'll understand why it yep. you know it's not always up to date the uh the tough parts of, of the trade of sports podcasting is it never it's always evolving never and you can't get content out fast enough to me the two biggest things that have stuck out is just or I should say the biggest thing that's stuck out is just in the league in general, you've had a couple of guards now drafted in the late first round that are turning out to be absolute stars, Tyrese Maxey and Jordan yeah. Poole. And the draft is like the hardest thing to predict. You know, obviously when you have guys who are projected to be top five picks, those guys generally – are are easy to project just you know that they're going to be stars but you know what level star they are that, that's yeah. different but you see it at the end of this first round like maxi was drafted i think 21st overall jordan Poole's 28th overall i mean i'm a knicks fan emmanuel quickly who's good not at that level but good 25th overall like how are these guards sliding down the draft boards like this and it's just like, yeah. I, I don't get how they slide. I mean, I think a lot of it, too, has to do with player development. And I think that if you take the you know, situation based. Yeah, situation based. And, and from my, you know, just from having a lot of these conversations and, and talking to different athletes and people who have played at different levels, that's one of the things that's always stuck out to me from those conversations is everyone has talent at these levels, right? So then it becomes about work ethic and your situation. If you're in a situation where you feel, you know, you're being, 
push to be yourself and, and maximize your potential and you play your style of basketball, then you see a lot of those players that flourish and thrive. There can be the case where a player is very talented, but kind of being forced into the wrong system. And that's where a lot of discrepancy can happen. And, and maybe the player can either lose passion or, you know, not work as hard and not feel like they're being maximized and, and you can have some drop off. But in the case of Jordan Poole, you know, he's around Steph Curry. He's around the most selfish, I mean, the most unselfish superstar we've ever, I, I think we've seen where yeah. the guy will give up the ball and he'll fight to get it back. You know, he'll run around five screens, get the ball back, give it up again, go get open, get a better shot, but also pass off a, a good shot for a better shot. And I think, you know, and in his case. for guys too. Willingly screen exactly, for guys. Exactly. And see how that actually ends up benefiting him. You know, he's setting screens for people, opening them up, then he'll eventually get more open. So, you know, I think a Jordan Poole, just for example, taking his case, like being around that and also that work ethic, um, you know, what that really takes and, and kind of the re removing your own ego, I think has been the thing that has pushed him to this level because if he had kind of just stuck to who he was out of Michigan, uh, you know, I don't think he'd be anywhere near this if he was on another team, but being in that locker room, being around those types of superstars who are very selfless and, and believe in getting other people going as well, and that's even more important, I think that is a, it's translating a lot and we're seeing in the playoffs how much that's helping, especially with chemistry. I mean, he has 59 points in his first two playoff yeah. games. He's shooting over 60% from both the field and know? from three. Like, this is wild. Did you watch the game yesterday when uh, after I think he had a huge shot where Draymond was on the bench and they, they cut to Draymond and he's literally yelling down to the other end of the bench like, that's all you, that's all Jay, that's all Jay, just constantly like celebrating him in that moment. Yeah. Like, that would be a fun a fun team to be a part of, a fun environment where, you know, everybody is celebrating you and pushing you and, and it just feels fun and natural. Talk about him, you know, learning from Steph Curry. Like he's basically turned into 80% of Steph yeah. Curry. It's yeah. wild. I mean, yeah. he went from a guy who was projected to be like a nice spark plug off the bench, maybe like a Jordan Clarkson with a high basketball IQ, because I personally am not a Jordan Clarkson guy uh, because he's never made a pass, I think, in the last two years. Yeah. Uh, but now, like, he's looking at a contract extension of $25 million a year at the minimum. Wild. Yeah. And and Maxi, the same thing. Yeah. Like, like Maxi is the Sixers' second-best player. Yeah. He's better than James Harden right now. Like, it, I, I don't think that's really debatable. No, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think that, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from James Harden right now. You don't know in the playoffs. You really just don't, especially in, in crunch time against a, a tough team. And I feel like at least you know with Tyrese Maxey, he's going to play, you know, 130%. He's going to give 130% and give everything he has. And, and so far, whenever he does that, it's been a pretty pretty solid result for him. So it's definitely interesting to see, like you said, these, these guards in the later rounds of the, you know, the draft that are starting to, to kind of take over and, and reach a different level. It just – it. I think it goes to illuminate the difference between college and pro in terms of just the style of play and the level of play. Like these guys, you know, the, the college game ha has these big guys who are like constantly clogging up the paint. You can play a, a true zone and they get to the NBA. And, and if you have like the, the speed, like, like Maxi's first step is like wickedly fast, right? Just like absurdly quick. 
and he just has so much more room to roam. It's a lot more ISO, you know, it's a lot more one-on-one, you know, switching for matchups uh, and then exploiting matchups. So I think like, like you just said, Tyrese having that, that quick first step, you know, I think that makes a huge difference in the NBA and the spacing is different. The floor can seem more open. Uh, you know, all players one through five really know, you know, know the assignments and know other players' assignments as well and where they're going to be on the floor. So, you know, I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing players who, who are very strategic and have high IQs you know, maximizing that opportunity at the next level. Before we get into your favorite series to watch so far, and I guess rank the series, the mindset after going, after losing game one, right? For, I, sh- I should say, excuse me, after winning game one from a road team, right? Because we mentioned the Jazz, and we're going to get back to the Jazz in a second. So the Jazz win game one on the road. They lose game two. Yeah. If you're in that, if you're like the coach, are you satisfied with saying, listen, we got game one, we came in here to get one, and it's not doom and gloom, like let's take care of business yeah. on our home floor, or is it just like we just let one slip away and now the momentum is completely shifted to the other team? Where do you fall on that spectrum? And and again, every yeah. case is different depending on you yeah. know the status of, of, of health for the teams and whatnot. Because if I'm a jazz fan in this specific scenario, yeah, sorry about that, Mike. You have to be kicking yourself because Dallas is clearly the underdog. They don't have Luka Doncic, and you just you don't want to give a team like that without their best player, especially considering how the Mavericks play. You don't want to give them hope. Yeah, I, I think that if I'm looking at that that series in particular, if I am the Jazz, I'm kind of scared. I think Jalen Bronson had 41 points. Um, and they still don't have Luca. I don't know if Luca's coming back, but I definitely am looking at that like we're going to Dallas. They don't have two of their best players. We need to win both games. Uh, I'm not feeling very confident going back to Utah having split that at all. You know, and I think as a fan too, I feel like the, the Mavericks can do what they did at home in, in Utah they could, you know, swing this series and be up to one very easily. So I'm not feeling super confident if I'm the jazz after, after that performance. Now let's, let's use a different example of the, of the possible one, one situation, right? You're Memphis, right? You take care of business tonight. Are you thinking game one was just a blip or are you, you nervous about going into, again, depending on how it, how yeah. it shakes out and, and how the game materializes. But say they win tonight, right? Are you nervous about like, okay, we're back on track? And for Minnesota, are you just like, okay, we did our we did our job to split. Now let's take care of business at home. Like, yeah. are you more of the yeah. mindset where they, it really changes from game to game? I think it it depends. Again, what you said about the Timberwolves, I think that's how they're feeling. I think if you're the Timberwolves, you're like, we we did what we're supposed to. We stole a game. We're coming home. If you're the Grizzlies, I think the thing about the Grizzlies is they're such a, a tight team. They're such a bonded team. I think we've seen that all season. They, you know, one through 15, they all like each other a lot. They all hang out. Uh, the chemistry is very much there. So I think their mindset must be really, okay, we, we learn from game one, game two, you know, win game two at home. And then as a unit, we know what to do going forward. And I think there is confidence in that. I don't think they're concerned after losing game one. I think that, uh, like you alluded to earlier, some of the 
the stats around this matchup, you know, assuming that everybody's healthy, it's, it's a lot more even uh, than people think. And then a two seven matchup would, would you know, lend you to believe. So um, I think if you're the Grizzlies, you really just want to get game two and you'll have, you know, you have the confidence that you're going uh, on the road, but you, you'll have your, you know, your group back together and you'll be building off of that performance. What's been your favorite series so far? It's definitely the Grizzlies, uh, Timberwolves. I, I love John Morant. I love the way he plays basketball. Um, I think it's it, not to it, love. It, yeah, it reminds me a lot of the Kobe era, you know, like the the dog mentality, the, uh, you know, sacrifice your body at all costs, fight through everything. Uh, and that's the same reason why I love Anthony Edwards. It feels the same way. It's explosive. It's entertaining. Uh, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you're not going to get past me. I'm better than you. I'm going to stop you or I'm going to score on you. There's nothing you can do about it. And I love that mentality of basketball. So, um, you know, for this first round, that's really been the most exciting for me. All right. So because we talked about it before, pick yeah. a second one. Second favorite series. A second favorite series. Oh, man. You know, I that's tough. That's tough. What would be your favorite series? Let me ask you that first. While so, I, while besides I... for that one. Uh, the, the net Celtics to me is like incredibly compelling. Yeah. And again, I despise the nets with every fiber of my being. Right. Um, but I just, you know, as much as I can't stand the guy and I think he's a lunatic, like I find Kyrie Irving, like captivating, like absolutely captivating. And I don't necessarily think when he goes crazy, that offensively, and and he was ridiculous in game one, like sensational. Uh, the, the shot making that he has is just—he's unstoppable. When he, when it's he really absurd. But I don't think it, it. I don't think his style of play results in winning games, right? Outside of playing with LeBron James and and Kevin Durant, and that one half that first season in Boston, like he's never proven for all of his talents to equate to winning. But, you know, Durant being Durant and how great he is. And with this Boston thing that, you know, all the Celtics fans were talking about how crappy this team was forever. I mean, they were 500 basically for two straight years. They flipped the switch. They're, ba- they're For all intents and purposes, they're the best team in the NBA for the last three months. And just to see if, in fact... Two things. One, the old adage is if you have the best player in the series, you're going to win, yeah. which is Kevin Durant. And two, if Jason Tatum can get to that echelon of player that is like right underneath Kevin Durant where you have the chance to have the best player, it's just a fascinating series to me. Yeah, I actually – I forgot. Yeah, I watched that whole, that whole game the other day, and even the ending was wild. And if you really watched it, Kevin Durant did not play well. No. And – what I, you know, I think what my gut would be telling me is that I think the Nets are going to win that series. And I don't think that's great for the Celtics, obviously. Why, why do you think they're going to win the series? I'm just curious. So when I watched the, for the first like half, right, the, the Celtics were turning the, the Nets over a lot. Kevin Durant was missing everything and the Nets were still hanging in there. And if you were to tell me that the Nets could win a basketball game with Kevin and Kevin Durant's stats ended up, I think, being decent. 
But if you really Damn, watched you, that, I think it was like nine for twenty-four. If you really watched it, he was it was bad. Like he was not really doing. He was getting he was getting doubled and tripled, but still, like even the open shots, he wasn't hitting. So that means that you know Kyrie went off. I don't remember. I think Seth did a little bit. Uh, they had Goran doing a little bit out there. Goran played well. So the role players were able to step up in key moments, and I think that if they almost they should have won that game still. And if you're telling me that they were able to turn the nets over, Kevin Durant wouldn't shoot well, and that they could still lose that game, I would be concerned for the Celtics. And it's at home. So those would be the reasons why I would, I would be leaning towards the Nets being able to kind of figure it out and put it together. And to the Kyrie thing, I'm not like the biggest Kyrie person, but I do appreciate his offensive ability. And before that game, I remember that, you know, the Celtics-Nets thing was, was always kind of at odds once Kyrie left the Celtics for the Nets. And he's the type of player that, with a little extra motivation is kind of scary. Um, and you could see in his eyes. So before that game, I had a feeling he was going to, you know, score above 30 and kind of have a, a big game. And he did. And part of me thinks that he's going to carry that out throughout this series because he does feel personally slighted by the Boston Celtics and feel some type of way about their fans. And that's just how he feels. That's how he feels. And I've seen him when he feels right. a certain way, you know, perform. So that's, that's what my gut's telling me. He brings all this crap on himself, uh, but that's another. Well, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, I, I, you kind of see it in his eyes, right? Like you saw some fan at one point talking to him from the the crowd. He gets the ball, does some incredible step back three or something, and then turns to the fan and is just like told you, and just kept doing that every time someone talked to him. He would do something crazy and then know exactly where that fan was and make sure to make a note to that person. So, you know, I just, I have a feeling they're going to win this series, but I could be wrong. Who knows? I just don't think they're deep enough. I think they rely on six guys and I don't think it, I don't think it's enough. Like I I think that, you know, Boston had its warts. They let a 13 point lead slip away, but I think that a team that has the backbone of a defensive identity that Boston does and is just a little bit deeper, will be able to sustain this going yeah. forward a little bit and yeah you're there there's gonna be a game where durant goes nuts but <laughs> i i the, of course because he's great right like that's what happens but i i just think i i i don't see the other guys for brooklyn being able to yeah. produce enough and also they only have six guys the one thing i did notice about and again raja bell who's also really good on that podcast spoke about it was just the officiating and that game was like really illuminating in terms of that there's a difference between the playoffs and the regular season and what you get away with in the regular season or or what's considered a foul and what's not considered a foul in the playoffs. And to me, and he's 100% right when he says this, like, why is there a difference? Why are we calling the game differently? Like, yeah. just because now the players don't and, and you see more bitching to the referees, whether it's Embiid. And you saw that la- that first quarter last night in terms of the officiating. That was all over the place. Like, no one knows what was going on. Then you see with Jokic and Draymond Green, like, if you set a precedent in the regular season, carry it through to the playoffs, right? Yeah. If you don't want the ticky-tack stuff to, you know, be called in the regular season, then don't call it. Like, I just 
I, I don't know. Where are you at with this? Because it's just crazy I, to me. I, was it the net? The net Celtics game was pretty miserable, if I recall. Durant was getting mauled. Yeah. And in the regular season, all those guys on Boston would have fouled out. I mean, I obviously don't love when the officiating starts to be become noticeable. When you start to really feel like that's contributing to the game in a major way and slowing down the pace of the game, because I think the reason we love you know NBA basketball so much is the pace of play. Like we love when teams are are kind of you know trading baskets and and moving and running in transition, and it just is more exciting when it's like that. And some of these fouls that are being called are. I don't know, hard to watch. And like you're saying, I can understand the, the confusion from the player side where, you know, if you're in the regular season and you're offic- being officiated one way and you come into a series with that in mind and then the officiate, being officiated differently, that's a lot to deal with. And it's already just like as a, as a fan starting to affect, you know, how we receive the game. So for me, I'm kind of tired of it as well. It's been a lot. I mentioned Jokic uh, in passing. Yeah. Well, he gets hacked. He's he's getting slapped. They're they're letting stuff go with Draymond Green and and he. But I kind of don't mind it. But I just want it to be consistent, right? Like, I grew up in, you know, I I was a kid during the 90s where you were allowed to, you know, guys were able to settle things underneath the basket themselves. And it wasn't just looking for a whistle. And I I kind of appreciate that to some degree i mentioned jokic right so jokic is presumptive uh going to win the mvp for the second straight year uh you got a couple of guys in the media like like nick wright who are basically like jokic going down o2 the warriors is proof that he's not the mvp and they're just like dumping on his mvp case so i guess my question to you is where do you stand on the mvp um as an award going into the playoffs and if you had a ballot who would you have picked for mvp i think it's so tough i this conversation like i always feel bad for the people who actually have to vote but um i for me when you say it i see joel not that i have anything wrong with with jokic i think he's unbelievable i think he's incredible everything he does um but there's something to me about the way joel plays that that i'd like I think he deserves to be given that award this year. And I don't know if Jokic giving him the back to back and it just doesn't, I don't know. It's tough. Cause he, I think everyone deserves it. And I don't have the best answer for this, but, but part of me like feels, you know, the back to back is reserved for very special, special seasons. And um, if I'm looking at it that way, like I'm almost leaning towards, just, I think Joel deserves it based on his performance and, and some of the, the games he's had this year and just, you know, through everything that's been going on with the Ben Simmons stuff to now James Harden and who knows what James Harden's going to be. And, you know, they got rid of Seth Curry and, you know, Tyrese Maxey, yes, stepped up, but like that, that wasn't something that anybody knew would happen. And I think through all of that, Joel has been consistent and unstoppable um, and his game is, is remarkable. So I, you know, that's where my vote would go. I would have voted for Giannis. I'm on record saying I'm voting for Giannis because I think Giannis is the best. That's a good answer. I I, I think he's he's the best player in the league, and I think he's been that way for the last four years. Um, The Jokic thing is interesting. Kevin Durant mentioned that same thing that you just said. He talked about getting back-to-back. Like, that next year, you have to do something, you know, more special and and just do something different, right? He used the Steph Curry example when Curry – 
the 2016 Warriors go 17 and 73 and nine. And, and he goes absolutely bonkers, right? Like his best season ever that warranted it, right? Giannis made a jump that yeah. warranted it. And as great as Jokic is and all the advanced metrics say that he is, and, and the yeah. eye test says that he is, I mean, he carried that team to 47 wins and he didn't have their second or third Absolutely. best player. And there are a lot of those guys who would without him would be in the G league right now. Yeah. And He's awesome. I Absolutely. just so I, we're splitting hairs I, here. Yeah, oh, it's it's splitting hairs. I would have voted for Giannis, but I, to trash Jokic after his team's getting beat by a way better team in the yeah. first round, I just think is ridiculous. Like yeah. it's the regular season award, right? Yeah, it, it is. It's not a referendum on who's the best player in the league, and I think he's one of the five best players in the league as it is. But like, it's not a referendum on who's the best player in the league. It's a regular season award. Yeah, I think that's the distinction. You know, I think a lot of people think about MVP as, you know, it struggles into the playoffs, but like you're the playoffs is a different thing. I think that's what everyone keeps talking about. The game does change. Officiating clearly changes, but, you know, the, the style of play changes a little bit. Teams are studying, you know, you're not playing back to back. You're not switching your game plan. You're, you're kind of crafting a more consistent one that you're going to stick to. And, you know, you adjust it as the series goes on, but you're playing players differently. You're... Maybe you're more prepared in a sense. So it, it's a totally different thing. And I think that distinction is important to be made between that award and, and any like postseason play. And for all those who are poo-pooing on Jokic and his inability to play in the playoffs, go back and watch the 2020 playoffs. All right. You're a Laker fan. You you watch some of those games. Go, no, go he, back he, and watch. I have never said anything bad about Jokic. I've always been a huge right. fan. So I'm all in. I think his his basketball ability is, like you said, he's top five players to me. Like he really is an unbelievable basketball talent, and I love that. I love having him in the game. So there's nothing nothing bad for me about Jokic. Yeah, it, it's more about just the discourse of NBA media types and and NBA discussion and and NBA Twitter, which I have my issues with. <laughs> I stay uh, away from NBA Twitter, so. I, you can't get too far in the weeds. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, most pleasant surprise in the playoffs so far to you? It could be coach. It could be a team. It could be an individual player. Who's been the most pleasant surprise? I actually kind of was surprised by the Bulls, uh, to be honest. Like, I, I, so just to be clear, I have the Bucks. I think the Bucks are winning the East. I think it's – for me, I have the Bucks or the Nets, and um, I'm leaning Bucks just because I think they, they look poised to – to repeat and, and get back to the finals and and I think win this win the finals. Um, but I was surprised by the Bulls, honestly, being able to to hang with them in that game one. So for me, that was that was kind of cool. I've always been a Bulls fan. I, I like Zach Levine, uh, you know, Caruso, former Laker who who played hard for us. Um, also a Lonzo Ball fan because he went to UCLA. Uh, so you know, I know he's not playing, but you know, I was definitely excited to see that they're not just getting blown out and killed by the the Bucks. So for me, that was kind of you know, a pleasant surprise. I mean, Vooch, uh, DeRozan, and Levine shot 21 for 71 in yeah. game one. It was not very good. But I, I don't think that was, like, their best chance to really win a game. 100%. And I, I think that that's a wrap. Uh, to me, the most pleasant surprise, I don't want to go, you know, back to the well with Tyrese Maxey and Jordan Poole. But to me, it, it's – it's how, like, Draymond Green is really, 
you know, rounding back into form. He had the back injury. He was going to win the defensive player of the year. Yeah. Going away had he been healthy all year. And I know a lot of people clown on Draymond Green for his lack of stats and that he's just a system player. But if you really watch those games, like he's kind of the engine that drives it. And like him doing Draymond things again is really, really nice to see. Like really good, pleasant surprise. What's your uh, biggest disappointment so far? Oh man, I uh, I remember last year watching the Hawks go on that crazy run, and I'm not the biggest Hawks fan, but that was a fun that was a fun playoff run. So to see that they were making it back into the playoffs, I kind of had this hope that maybe they would be, you know, Trey Young would go for 50 again, and 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 it would be that excitement, and and maybe they still you know steal one from the Heat which is still very possible, but, you know, based on the, the first game, I was, I was pretty disappointed in, in that. And also just watching the actual game, you know, Trey Young's body language when they were down was kind of, he's like walking around, kind of, kind of checked out from the whole thing. And um, so I, you know, I was a little disappointed by, by that matchup, which I expected to, obviously the Heat are number one seed and they've been playing amazingly, but I had some hope that maybe the, the Hawks would return to that, that kind of same playoff form of last year. And, and give them more of a, a challenge. The Hawks are a frustrating team. And again, I, I'm a Knicks fan, and I was at game one last year. It was basically like <laughs> – You were at the game when you guys I was saw at, I was at the game. Yeah, a, a part of my soul is still dead and buried in the uh, Madison Square Garden in Section 221. I, I walked out of that arena to my old apartment, which is about two and a half miles, in sheer silence. It, yeah, it was it was bad. But anyway, back back to the Hawks. The uh, you know, they come into this year and they start off slow. And Trey Young is like, yeah, after last year's playoff games, like regular season games are boring. It's just like, dude, like maybe if you won a title, okay. But like, you got to the Easter Conference Finals in a weird fluky year. Like you haven't done shit yet, so it's not like we can just coast, right? Yeah. So it, it's just weird. They, they're they're just frustrating. Um. And the Heat are, are, I think, are really underappreciated, which is which is interesting because if you project to the next round, and I thought the Philadelphia-Toronto matchup was going to go seven. Obviously, with Scotty Barnes being out, I just don't think Toronto has. They're just out. Yeah, not enough. Um, it's actually breaking right for the for the Sixers, a team that I absolutely clowned on going into the playoffs because I just don't think James Harden is worth anything. Uh, I'm I'm not a Harden guy, and I've never been a believer. But like, could you see? What? what sorry, can I ask you? What yeah. were you? You were never a believer, or was there no, a moment? Never, where, like, never. I I, I always I always hated the I hated the foul hunting. I hated the uh, I never believed that the ISO heavy uh, offenses uh, would produce in the playoffs, which is kind of why you know as great as Luca is, I'm nervous about if Luca starts really leaning into this hardened situation this hardened yeah. style of play um i i also just he never plays well in big games ever like for a guy who's won an mvp which he never deserved and for a guy who's had the accolades that he's had the scoring titles that he's had like how many guys of that level have had multiple games a la 2 for 11 five turnovers and looking like he just don't give a shit yeah. And and he has so many of those on his resume, right? He hasn't played, 
you know, had a big game in a big playoff moment since 2012 when he was the sixth man on the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I just, I just, just don't buy the Harden BS, which is why a part of me was super dismayed when the Philadelphia 76ers made this trade because I love Embiid so much and I want Embiid to win, but I kind of yeah. wanted to wait a year. Harden crapped the bed. They get rid of Harden. And then, and then Embiid can take his turn. But anyway, it's shaping up nicely for yeah. the Sixers because as, as good as the Heat are as a collective, if you believe in the old adage that the best player in the series generally wins the series, Embiid against the Heat would qualify. Yeah. That would be – I think that would be a fun series. So, you know, I think it will be interesting to see how they do with matchups. And I think Spolstra deserves a lot of credit. Uh, I think he is like really a, a great coach and they have a deep team. So it'll be interesting to see what they come up schematically, you know, to deal with Joel. And, and my gut is telling me they're going to put a lot of uh, give Harden a chance to, to win some games and we'll see what Harden does. You know, I think that'll be interesting to watch in the next round. And I, and I hope he won't. Okay. So your biggest disappointment <laughs> is the Hawks. Definitely the Hawks. I just think I, I was hoping they would be a little more exciting, but. My, well, it's all, it's only been game one, in fairness. Game two, I think, is tonight. So it's only been tonight. game one. But they kind of got screwed by the schedule makers also. They play in the playing game. They turn around, and they have the quick turnaround to play the the 12 o'clock game yeah. that Sunday. It's kind of tough. Totally. So they totally. kind of got totally. screwed in game one. But that's what happens when you're a nine seed. Like, you have to come from yeah. behind. Like, you shouldn't exactly. get the, the same uh, – breaks as a team that played well in the regular season and took the regular season seriously. My biggest exactly. disappointment so far has been, I mean, besides for the injuries, like the Luca injury, the Scotty Barnes injury yeah. um, is, is the Utah jazz. And I picked the jazz to win this series. I still think they're going to win the series. Cause I don't think Luca's going to play the entire series, but for a team that I've been clowning on, a bunch. It should be better than this, even still. Like it should be better than this, and I guess this is all great for Knicks fans because Donovan Mitchell's going to hopefully ask out, and we'll be able to get our hands on him. He's a New York yeah. guy. We should have drafted him in the first place. Shout out to Frank Nilakina. That didn't go great. Um, but yeah, no, I, the Utah Jazz. Like, like, what is this? Like, what is this? I. I was that guy for the last like three years. Every time the Jazz had a good record, would be the one dude that would say, "Watch out for Utah. They got a team." Oh, so you you were against the grain. You were a, you were a Jazz. Believer. I, I would I would watch them and be like, in the regular season, like they would go toe to toe with some great teams and beat them, and not just like fluke beat them, but beat them. And I was, I thought that that meant something. Maybe I thought maybe you know in a series. This team can beat a beat a team, and then you know they would get. I think it was like first round, or second round, bounced, have a great season. First round, or second round, bounced, and I was like, you know what, I'm done. So this was the year where I really just said I got nothing for them. I can't back them up. They were you know a top seed all season. People were like, what about the Jazz? And I just kept in the back of my head, they are going to disappoint everyone that thinks that they will do anything. And I think that's what's going to happen. And, and even no matter if they win this series, like I think the fact that they're one-to-one with the, this team without, without Luca and without 
Tim Hardaway, like, I think they've already lost in a way. Like, that just shouldn't even, they should be blowing this team out. It shouldn't even be close. And you can see the Jazz, when they're up, they don't look confident. And they yep. kind of start to, like, isolate themselves from each other. And I don't know if there's anything with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell still or with other, other, the other teammates, but it, it doesn't feel very confident when, when those runs are being made by other teams in the fourth quarter. You know, they don't well, feel like more so, more so the fact that, you know, going beyond the whole COVID thing, which I think is overblown, right? Yeah. How, uh, you know, Rudy gave it to the whole jazz thing. But, like, as we know now, that's not really – yeah, that 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 okay. It it was spreading like that's not really the thing. I think it more concerning is the fact that Rudy Gobert is making forty five million dollars a year, and if you throw him the ball in the post, the ball he's going to kick the ball out of bounds constantly. Well, and, they made I think was it seven, had seventeen uncontested threes or something that that Rudy when Rudy was guarding the was it the the corner or something. I forget what the exact stat was, but it was it was a record yesterday in the game. So I think that's more of what I'm speaking to. It's even. You know, here's this guy making all this money that's this amazing defensive player, but then in the series, he's unplayable. And everyone's yeah. kind of looking around and it's like no one really knows the answer. So I think that well, is... it's it's the it's that dichotomy between in the basketball community, right? You have the analytics crew yeah. and you have the eye test guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The analytics have loved the Jazz forever, right? They're third in point differential. Even when they're in a down streak, they're third in point differential. Rudy Gobert, how many points he generates off of screen assists and all this garbage, right? And and now some of it's valuable, but to a point, like if you just watch the games, you can see that as great a rim protector as he is, all the good teams, all the good teams seem to attack him more than anybody else. And for a guy that who's won multiple defensive player of the years, the fact that he gets attacked, usually you would think that if he was that great, right, people go would away go from away from him, right? But they attack him specifically. And it's just like, yeah. that's, that's the thing. And I've always pushed back against the analytics crowd that is like strictly numbers based. Like this isn't blackjack, right? Like this is sports. Yeah, I, a I feel big you. rant of mine, and I guess I'm sorry to Rudy Gobert that like he's just the poster child of it who gets dumped on. Same thing with James Harden, right? When James Harden was quote unquote breaking basketball with his efficiency, you yeah. know, him flailing, you know, flopping, getting to the line, but all of a sudden in the playoffs, oh, not so well, efficient they went, anymore. Went over 27 from three in that kind yeah, of yeah, it's just kind of ruined it for everybody that was on yeah. that. Yeah, so. So the Jazz, even though I had no real hope for the Jazz, but like, come on, it's got to look a little bit better than this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I guess I'm not disappointed by it because I started to realize this was what was going to happen, right. you know. So it right. seems more on track for me. What's the um, – you got one bold prediction for the playoffs? One bold prediction? One bold uh, – a bold one? A bold yeah, one. let's go bold out on a limb a little bit. Well, I don't think it's bold anymore, but I, all right, if I had to go out on the limb, let's say the Sixers make it to the finals. That would be my bold one. They, they somehow figured out and they, they pull past Giannis. Oh, I guess they play the Heat and then, yeah, they play Giannis, right? If, well, assuming Giannis wins. So that would be my bold prediction is that the, the 76ers make it to the finals. I'm going to actually kind of piggyback off that. 
I I don't think that that's going to be the the finals. I think they'll make the semifinals. I think they'll make the conference finals. You know, it'd be a bold prediction. And I guess secondary is I think the Golden State Warriors can go to the finals. That was what I was going to say, but I think that people have because. People early in the season were having them in the finals and then fell off that. I genuinely think that they would be – I'm confident in the Warriors making it to the finals. And the Phoenix season. has the profile of like an all-time great team, 64 wins. Yeah. Like they really take care of business. They're better than they were last year. But I I don't know. Something – there's yeah. that little something. And you can't even like put – yeah, put like the it's right got, words on it, but you're thinking the yeah. same thing. I'm looking at you. You're thinking the same thing. It's just like, I think they can be had. Yeah, I, I agree. And if you have Jordan Poole playing like this, and Steph Curry is healthy and, and back to his usual minutes, and you know, obviously that will that will probably take away from Jordan Poole. But just knowing that he can play like this, Draymond's back to his usual self. If Clay's feeling comfortable and confident, and their surrounding cast and just their system and their knowledge of what it's like to to get the job done and, and make it to the finals. They've done it before. They've won multiple times. That's hard to go against. Even if the Suns were just there, you know, there's, there's something like you're saying that just coming up against the right opponent, you know, you, you feel like the Suns could easily be had. So. I think the only, I think the only opponent for Phoenix that would qualify is the, is the Golden State Warriors. I, I thought about Memphis for a little bit. I just think they're just a little – they're not ready yet. But Golden State would, would qualify. So, okay, gun to your head now. Finals prediction. Gun to my head is Bucks. I'm seeing Warriors, man. The more we're talking about, I'm seeing Bucks Warriors. I really am. Um, that's what I'm seeing. I, I want to say Suns, but I'm seeing Warriors. That'd be a fun series. A lot of fun outcomes. A lot of possible fun outcomes. But I am going to go Bucks Suns again with the. Uh, I think the Bucks are going to win it. I think the I I think the Bucks are winning it this year too. All right, so we're on the same page. Yeah. All right, this was awesome, Jake. Yeah, thanks yeah. so much for doing it. Tell everybody cool. where they can find you before we uh, wrap up. Yeah, so you can listen along. Uh, our Instagram is at 94 and more podcasts and then 94 and more is on iTunes, Spotify, believe and, and everywhere. So go listen. Stitcher, Google play, you yeah, know what it is. Make, make it happen. All the possible platforms. This was great. And yes, I, I want to be a guest. Yeah. You're coming on. You're coming on. We'll figure it out. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for doing it. We'll speak soon. Thanks Appreciate again. It. All right. Talk soon. Thanks again to Jake Fenster for coming on, for talking a little NBA playoffs so far. Good stuff with him. Happy to finally have had him on. Go check out his podcast, 94 and more. It's really, really interesting. That's episode 153 for the love of the game. Take us out, Joey Baddock. At times I thought we never make it. Now we on our way to greatness. And all I ever took was patience. I, I, I used to feel so devastated. Uh, at times I thought we'd never make it. But now we're on our way to greatness. Uh, and all I ever took was patience. Uh, I used to feel so. At times I thought we'd never make it. But 
now we on our way Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.